You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. with Joy Coaching America. Today, I woke up with this question in my mind. How much do you value your religious freedom? And so I got up and I went down to my computer and I just began to just jot ideas down. And today I would like to give you some food for thought, beginning by asking that question to all of our listening audience. How much do we value our religious freedoms. I remember as a little girl, about eight years old, when my parents would hold cottage meetings in their home. I remember like-minded friends of theirs coming to the home to discuss together the principles that they believed made America great. I remember sitting in the hallway on the floor, listening in, but never quite understanding very much of what was spoken but feeling the fervor of their group conviction that planted the seeds of a legacy that I believe has slowly blossomed through the years into my personal conviction that America is only as great as her citizens. The question of how much do I value the gift of religious freedom is a question that I've been pondering over and over for many years, but more so since the outbreak of COVID-19. Probably because we had more time on our hands in the evenings to decide what kind of television shows we were going to watch. And so my husband and I would choose documentaries like The First American, all about the life of George Washington, and other shows about people that fought in the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. And often we would get tears in our eyes just thinking about these great people that had stories to tell, each one of them with a story. And so today I would like to share with you this personal conviction that is growing within me, the question that I've been asking myself, what can one ordinary woman do to help God bless America? Because it's up to each one of us to do our part to help God bless America. What do you believe made America great in the first place? How can we retrace the footsteps of our ancestors whose dream it was to come to America to participate in building her greatness and to enjoy the gifts of personal liberty and the personal religious freedoms that America has been bounded upon. Who were your great, great, great grandfathers? Who were your great, great, great grandmothers who stepped up out of their ordinary roles? Well, those were divine roles. The roles of father and mother are divine roles, but they added to those roles more responsibility to govern their stewardships. They rose up to the call to help establish one nation under God. How did your ancestors rise up early 
to the call and help create a nation that was destined for greatness. Today, I'd like to follow some of the footsteps of our forefathers who envisioned America before she was even born and how she became a place where men and women could start a new life by first being able to exercise the privilege of worshiping God as they believed. I believe that these people had a goal in common. There was a group mindset of those Puritans for coming to this new world and in creating America. This mindset helped them to establish through our heritages, a land of inheritance where the posterity of theirs, who we are, could also continue a legacy of worshiping God freely and without fear while bringing and becoming a blessing to this land. How often do we stop to ponder the sacrifices, the courage, the conviction, the faith that our persevering great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and great-great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers, even our aunts and uncles, how they exercised all of this faith in creating a nation based on a foundation of God's law. How many times a day do we take the time to research out these thoughts in our own minds and have we stopped to research their names, to get a mental picture of their stories, the hardships and the heartaches that they passed through and pressed forward through with their personal conviction etched upon their hearts, which was born of sorrows that we are only beginning to foresee happening in our lifetimes or maybe even fearing happening in the lifetimes of the future generations that will follow us. I know that I personally, as a mother, as a grandmother, worry and think about, and often find myself having to turn my thoughts over to God to pray for future generations, as well as the generation we're in, because so much is happening so fast that we can barely keep up with it all. How many of us are willing to gently nudge our neighbors and invite them kindly to wake up and see the writing on the wall, realizing that if we remain in a sleeping state of believing that all is well, that the hidden agendas that have been written in past histories might be about to prepare to repeat themselves in the scenes of our own lives and realizing that they that these scenes are becoming more and more blatant as the days roll by. How many of us realize that the people who fought to originate and perpetuate the freedoms that we have enjoyed for the past 200 years were just common folk. They were ordinary people who simply wanted to make a difference for themselves for their children, and for their growing posterities. Our fathers, our forefathers, made their way to America filled with dynamic faith to proceed against all odds, believing that God had a definite plan for their exile from unrighteous dominion and for their entrance into a land where they could finally enjoy religious freedoms. 
This belief gave them the courage, the strength, the conviction, the bravery, and the fortitude to persevere against all odds. About one year ago, I learned about John Robinson. I don't remember ever learning about John Robinson in grade school in my U.S. history classes. But about one year ago, I learned that John Robinson was the pastor and the leader of the Puritans who inspired these people to become vigilant and enduring in their endeavors to leave England in pursuit of their religious freedoms. John Robinson never enjoyed the gift of coming to America because the ship, the Speedwell, which was really big enough to hold all of them, was damaged and sprung a leak. So only half of the Puritans were able to proceed on a much smaller ship called the Mayflower. The other half of these people, including Pastor John Robinson, their great influencer and leader, who had blessed them on their way, were forced to remain back in England while a small handful of Puritans began the voyage across a turbulent sea. When I learned that John Robinson was my direct great, 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 several great grandfathers direct to me, I felt a profound sense of love and gratitude for his efforts behind the scenes to inspire those who were among those who came to America on the Mayflower while he remained in England. I just wanna ask this question, what did these Puritans have in common as they traveled that treacherous voyage to establish one nation under God? They had already seen many years seeking religious freedom in Holland before they ever stepped foot on American soil. They all knew the importance of keeping their faith in God anchored securely in their hearts and in their minds when the winds and the waves of adversity would once again begin to beat on them on that voyage to the new world. Out of those who made it, only three women lived. Each one of these small handful of people understood how God's laws established in the Bible must become the very principles that would be the key to establishing personal liberty as well as group liberty in a new world. Each one of them felt a conviction about their own personal set of values and had a definite sense of morality. Each one of them held the intrinsic values for the good of the whole and felt a personal sense of responsibility in preserving the cause of liberty. It wasn't just acting on moral value for a sense of good and wholesome self-consciousness. It was an act of goodness for the good of the whole.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant. Welcome back. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America. We're talking today about the Puritans, some of whom were our ancestors and what gave them this common feeling and conviction that was for the group good to base their whole determination to come and to begin a new nation under God with a common belief that we must found this nation on great principles found in the Bible. Each one of these people understood and felt that conviction as to their divinely ordained role in passing on a legacy, whether they were the father or the mother or the grandfather or the grandmother or an aunt or an uncle to those that they had stewardship over. Each one of these great people knew that leading by example with integrity and honor would be critical in leaving a legacy that would continue a pattern of preserving personal and group freedoms and liberties from one generation to the next. For a minute, I'd like us to explore their journey and see how we can apply that same faith in our lives and practice in our lives. First of all, uh, they were oppressed by the ruling government. The Puritans met in secrecy to practice their faith. They feared for their lives, but they knew their convictions. And so they gathered like-minded hearts, like-minded people together to voice their opinions. The, mon the monarchy in England at that time, under the rule of King James, feared having the Bible in the hands of the commoners. And so everything was done to eliminate the Bible. Do we understand the awful punishment that some of our ancestors went through for worshiping and studying God's word during this era? Not all of our ancestors came across or originated to that small group of people that came over on the Mayflower. Some of them their lives were cost because of their conviction to honor the word of God. Some of them lost their lives. Some of them were imprisoned for their convictions. I marvel with you on the profound courage of those early Christians who were persecuted for their faith, even unto death. We do not know all of their stories. There were so many stories and how wonderful it is when we can find one of those stories and marvel on it together. Have you ever been mistreated in some way for being a Christian? Have you ever been persecuted for your morality or for your personal value system or religious convictions? You know how painful that is, but I don't think any of us have been put to death or imprisoned for that. Not yet. The Puritans were persecuted for choosing to separate themselves from the control of the Church of England. 
and flee to Holland, and then later the New World. In what way are we like those who separated themselves in that day? Starting with the pilgrims' first escape attempt to Holland, and up until they finally began thriving in America, we can recount their setbacks. But still, those pilgrims were filled with perseverance, which says a lot about their faith in God's plan for religious freedom. A religious freedom that we have inherited on a silver platter. Yet do we value it? Do we fight for it? Do we stand up with conviction to preserve it for ourselves and our children, for our friends and for our neighbors? Would your belief in God's purpose and his promises have faltered if you would have been one of those people in those days? As I watched reenactments during COVID about some of these people's lives, I couldn't help but wonder what I might have done. This was a frightening and scary time for them. The pilgrims fled the persecution from King James in search of a land where their faith could be practiced freely, where reading the Bible and worshiping God could be done without fear. These brave men and women believed their purpose was to establish freedom of religion, not only for themselves, but for each other and for the generations which would follow them. Even though the pilgrims suffered numerous setbacks, they went through illness and hardship at Plymouth, they had treacherous, roaring, tumultuous seas and waves threatening their ship. They were tossed to and fro. They had to live on gruel, and the food that they ate was anything less than appetizing. Yet they kept a continued, continual faith in God. For them, failure was not an option and these brave souls continued with perseverance and conviction. Think about it. Many of them were your ancestors. Many of them were your kindred. We could be inspired by these fervent followers of Christ who were willing to sacrifice everything, their homes, their friendships, their families, to provide opportunity and blessings for future generations. Their faith in the one true God and in their belief in the Bible was worth fighting for. Their struggles to advance the Christian faith for the glory of God, for their mission, their calling, and their purposes. These pilgrims definitely had a purpose, and it was a cause that they fought for, they united their faith to accomplish the task of establishing religious freedom, even if it meant dying for that cause. Our forefathers understood that the stability of a new nation would depend upon the moral convictions of its inhabitants. How vital it is to continue living with conviction and to be determined to live lives filled with integrity for God's laws. How vital it is that we exercise good character in our personal lives 
Character is what fuels the conscious mind to act with integrity when no one else is watching. And so these people, each one became a self-governed person. And that means to live a moral, upright life based upon a heart that is being transformed by God, ever improved upon, ever in search of how can I progress? How can I become a better person? How can I live for the good of the whole? How can my single solitary life make a conviction when it comes to creating a nation of people who have a conscience for righteousness? The pilgrims and our founding fathers recognized the magnitude of influence that it would take for a majority of people to commit to moral living, not only for the good of their own conscience, not living just for themselves, but living for the good of the whole. I believe that by returning our own heart to God, I, and I'm talking to me, by recommitting my life to him, by endeavoring to make those changes in my life that will benefit not only my personal life, and bring about greater joy in as I joy coach myself, but one at a time, as we recommit to our personal convictions, living true to our conscious mind, living true to our values, that this will bless our families, that this will bring about an increase and an upsurging of uprightness in moral character and conduct that can spread contagiously to influence our neighbors, our neighborhoods, our communities, our states, and ultimately one nation under God. This is Karen Lynn Grant, Joy Coaching America. We'll be right back after this break. Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. Today I am pondering with you the importance of our individual characters leaving a mark on our very own society. Oftentimes I think that we feel like we as one person aren't going to make that much of a difference. It's the reason why we may not fill out our ballots. It's the reason why we may not take the time to ponder who is running for the offices in our communities and in our state and in our nations. But what if every single one of us remembered our pilgrim ancestors, remembered that each one of them might have succumbed to the belief 
I'm just one person. It doesn't really matter. Yet you realize that after these people, after the speedwell sprung a leak and only half of them who had prepared themselves to come and establish a nation that was based on religious freedom, out of them, it was something like 47 people that actually began this new world, this new life that set up a new self-governed plan in Plymouth? Well, our forefathers understood how internal values and our own intrinsic system of God-inspired principles, when we live in a collective group of citizens, all who are endeavoring to live on an integral, personal level, a moral life, how much impact that could have on our nation. Do we realize it was just a small group of people that started this? And that even if we could only find a handful of friends, just a small group of kindred spirits, like those kindred spirits that met together in my mom and dad's house when I was eight years old to discuss the things that left an imprint, a footprint on the heart of an eight-year-old girl who didn't understand a word they were saying, but who felt the fervor of their combined conviction. As we ponder a sense of our own personal morality, this can help us to realize the need that we have to continually evaluate what governs our own actions when nobody else is watching and how we can use our own sense of discernment to look within our own lives and examine our own hearts and our own motivation for why we are doing what we are doing. Are we rationalizing out our choices or are we choosing to be the most upright person that we can be to help establish America's greatness in the 21st century. There is no set of man-made laws that can control a person's heart. When you think about Viktor Frankl in the Nazi concentration camps and how his experience led him to establish that he believed that no matter how much they could torture him or torment him, that he would not give up his personal convictions no one could control his heart. He went on to create a therapy called logotherapy, which means that when a person is feeling meaningless or that their life is empty and without purpose, that through logotherapy, we can create a logo for ourselves. We can create a logo, an imprint, a footprint that says, my life matters and I have meaning, and I will leave a legacy that will carry on in future generations. Only a personal transformation in our very own heart can create the moral fiber that it's going to take to help establish and reestablish America as one nation under God. And as I look around and I see all the controversy happening and all the social media and how everybody has differing opinions. We've got to find our tribe. We've got to find that nucleus of a group of people who believe as we believe, 
who believe that it's going to take moral integrity, personal conviction, becoming progressive and thinking in a way that eliminates discord, immorality, cruelty, and injustice. Only a transformation of our personal lives can create behavior and the change that comes through believing in the name of Jesus Christ and inviting him into our lives personally on a one-on-one basis. I believe that this is why the pilgrims risked so much to ensure the freedoms. And as they believed in the gospel, as they believed in the Bible, they allowed themselves to practice their faith and their moral code in a new land. I believe that it's now truly up to the generations that followed them to pick up that banner, to wave it high, the banner that says, I will uphold morality. I will uphold the principles that are written, etched in the pages of the Bible. And that if we do not do this, if we neglect those very same footprints that they left upon American soil, if we choose to walk a different way and to walk absolutely in a different direction that does not uphold these principles, we might find that we are doomed for failure. When those pilgrims came to the New World, they didn't choose to take up home in Jamestown, the Virginia colony. They, before they even stepped foot off the ship, they drafted the Mayflower Compact. And this Mayflower Compact was what the pilgrims designed in order to create an act of self-governance. And it included the assurance that civil law would be as sure as any patent, quote, maybe even more sure, unquote. What was the difference between this document and the laws established in England? Well, first of all, the opening statement in this Mayflower Compact, in this new government charter, quote, says, quote, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, unquote. This sentence all by itself establishes their pure intention of all of those who chose to create unanimously a place where religious freedom would be established and preserved. So this morning, when I woke up to the thought, how much do you value religious freedom? I have to say that it is the very basis of religious freedom that established this great nation. And it is the honor for the Constitution of the United States that, have, that has continued making America great and preserving our freedoms and our liberties. Going back to the Mayflower Compact, uh, it was this new free civilization that required a society that established order. The principles that they used in setting up this new land were based on biblical principles. And the Ten Commandments were incorporated into the laws that they followed in America. 
In order to have a free society, we need to have civil law. And we need to ensure freedom for our citizens. Our forefathers based the laws on biblical principles. The Mayflower Compact was the first form of self-governance before the passengers even left the ship. Each person was expected to abide by these laws, and they had denounced together unanimously that old traditional system of top-down management tyranny that they had experienced in England. Consequently, they had a feeling of order in their new world, and they had checks and balances which helped to provide and ensure the adherence to law. These rules during those beginnings in the new world created an orderly society. If we retrace the footprint that they left upon American soil and generationally, we can rediscover and put our feet right back into those footsteps and retrace our way back to reestablishing one nation under God. I remember when they eliminated prayer. I I remember when they eliminated the Pledge of Allegiance of the Flag. I remember my parents being appalled at this. My father being a commander in the U.S. Navy, my parents were patriots. They loved this nation. They imprinted their passion for America upon the hearts of their children. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, and today I am pondering out loud with you as we share in this time together our founding fathers, our pilgrim ancestors, and what did they do to leave a footprint on this great nation that if we'll travel in our minds back to their lives, to their individual stories, how amazing that would be, and how we might gain and renew and refuel our conviction and help us to think clearly about what we're going to do to make a stand, to take a stand, to walk in their footprints, to choose to better the lives of ourselves in our own homes, our own families, our own communities, and our own nation, one nation under God. I want to begin this segment by asking you, are we teaching values to our children? Are we teaching personal convictions? Are we teaching them character traits? The character traits of Benjamin Franklin. Are we teaching the character traits listed in the Bible? Are we teaching values to our children? And with whom are our children spending the most amount of their time? Are we turning the teaching of our children over to the media, to the internet, to podcasts, to everybody else? but 
their very own parents and grandparents. The other night, uh, we had a barbecue in our backyard celebrating this great month of July and independence and the traveling of pilgrims and pioneers who set out in religious freedom to search for it, to reestablish it, even those who came from Missouri and crossed the Rocky Mountains to establish their priority for religious freedoms. And as we did so, I gathered my little grandchildren around me and I began to share a story with them about a little girl who learned all about obedience to her parents and to God and who had an incredible personal experience, gaining a personal conviction about personal integrity and honor. It was a joy. And afterwards, my sister sat down with me in my living room and said, you know, as I watched you teaching your grandchildren, I thought, you know, my sister Karen really is on a mission. It is a joy to teach our grandchildren, to teach our grandchildren and to support their parents in teaching them a love of God and the role that personal integrity plays in forming a happy life. The seeds that we are planting today in the minds of our children and our grandchildren are going to either blossom or wither somewhere in their future. How can we take a more active role in teaching the next generation the stories of their ancestors if we don't even know them? Can we consider going and doing some research about this? The internet is full of ways to find stories about our ancestors, the personal stories that have been left behind, the acts of sacrifice and service that our ancestors contributed to the cause of religious freedom. Can we take some time to study those out and to then pass those stories on to our little ones? The pilgrims understood how important it is and was to remember the biblical stories of faith, courage, and character. Can we show our children and grandchildren our convictions? Can we let them in to our hearts, maybe taking them one-on-one -on -one and sharing a personal experience with the power of prayer and share with them our examples and our convictions to God? I know that one of my favorite things to do is to take little Eliza or little Kali and to gather them in my arms and under my wing and bear testimony every chance I get about the ministering of angels, the power of prayer, the power of faith, because I know that I am not going to always be able to be with them during the crucial times in their lives. And if I can leave one thing, my footprint upon their life, I want it to be that my grandchildren know that they have a grandmother who never doubted that there is a God and that we can pray to him, we can receive courage, we can become braver, we can receive comfort in times of sorrow, and that we can choose to better ourselves and be transformed by his power into an even better person. What if our little ones, our grown children, 
our grandchildren, what if they never knew about our convictions and that after we leave and depart from this world, we have not taken the time to leave the imprint of our legacy upon their minds. What legacy are we leaving for them? And would we, if they were just simply to follow our example, would we want them to follow in the footprint that we have left for them? Is our footprint an evidence that we come from a royal heritage of those who fought and died and stood up for our religious convictions? Sometimes we might be afraid, and I know that I went through a time in my life as a single mother where I was trying to do scripture study with my children. I had a 15-year-old son who would mock me and who would ridicule me for my respect for the Bible and for God. And I remember one day I went in to my bedroom and I knelt down on my knees and I started to cry and pour my heart out to God. And I said to God, he doesn't believe in you. He doesn't believe in you. And I don't know what to do to help him believe in you. And I remember the answer that came into my heart. Go back out there and tell your son that I believe in him and that I understand he's been through some hard knocks and that I understand why he's doubting me for the moment. But reaffirm to your son that one day it's okay. He will believe in me. I straightened my skirt and walked out into my living room and my son looked at me and he said, why aren't you crying, mom? I thought you were crying because I don't believe in your God. And I looked at him and I said with conviction, you know what? It's okay. I went to God about that. And he said, what did God say about that? And I said, he told me that he wants you to know that he believes in you and that he understands you've been through some hard knocks in your life, but it's okay. One day you will believe in him. I sauntered off with a sweet smile on my face, leaving my 15-year-old dumbfounded. After that, when he would come in and tell me of his shenanigans, I didn't cry. I smiled and laughed and I would repeat, you know, it's your life. I gave you life. God gave you life. I brought you into this world and gave you a body. But if what you do with it from here on out is your choice, my son now listens to Glenn Beck. My son is now 33 years old. My son is now standing true for Christianity and upholding the belief that there is a God and that this matters. So that little prophetic experience that I had with him only proved that yes, yes, God can convince your child the child that is mocking you, the child that is ridiculing you, the child that won't show up for scripture study, the child that makes it difficult to have a religious or spiritual conversation in your home because of his absolute refusal to participate or worse. Are we asking God to help us 
teach our children, including those of our children who have rebelled, that we will continue to endeavor to leave them a legacy of faith, which will involve our continued resolve to help perpetuate a nation governed by moral law? Are we willing to encourage our children to be able to shoulder this kind of responsibility? Or are we shunning our responsibility to pass on a legacy of love for this country and to refuse to pass the baton on to our children? Are we willing to maybe have a about face and stand up and take back the responsibility for educating our children and to not leave them to the educational resources of the media, of television, of the internet, of the news, and of social sites that maybe do not reflect what we would like to imprint upon our children? Have we thrown up our hands as parents and grandparents, feeling like preserving America's liberties and freedoms are already a lost cause? Or are we prayerfully seeking and searching and beseeching God for ways to make a difference like each one of those Puritan ancestors who gave all they had to leave with us the inheritance of one nation under God, the United States of America, based in a self-governing proclamation called the Constitution to uphold our religious freedom. I am grateful for the love of God, and I am grateful for the opportunity to spend this time with you this morning. And I hope that you will ponder some of these questions as we all rise up to Joy Coach America. This is Carolyn Grant. See you next Monday at noon. My website is www.joycoachingamerica. Thank you.